there's been all sorts of guesses around what AI stuff might stand for. Some of them appropriate, some of them completely inappropriate. Uh, I'd like to talk to all the farmers after the service. And just <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Christians. Just. So, uh, but we're gonna, uh, I'm going to unveil that in just a minute. But the idea is, it's a three-week project to, to basically launch us into the next thing that I believe God is calling us as a church. And so it's... Um, yeah, over the next three weeks, we're going to be gathering together around tables like this. If you are here this morning for the very first time, you are so welcome to be here. Um, we're so glad that you're with us. This morning is a little bit, in the next couple of weeks, we're a little bit kind of crazy because we're trying to become a better and, well, no, that we're terrible church. We're trying to become the best church we can for you and others like you. So we kind of hope that you'll actually be part of this conversation and help us um, along that way. But we're going to really get into this together. Um, over the next three weeks, and I believe we're going to um, see something really exciting come out of that. Anyone else believing that? Fantastic. So, um, this all came out of uh, some time I had where, you'll remember we preached, we did a surprise series, Making an Impact, and one of those sermons I talked about the preparation process and committing to the So, are you ready? I'm going to share a couple of different things with you, and then I'm going to get you talking, and we're going to have another um, appearance a little later on. The children can head out to their Sunday school program now, if they, so navigate the, uh, the whirlpools of tables and things like that. So good. And I'll tell you what, um, of course, because things are a little bit like that barbecue, here this morning. Um, did anyone else see their family? Like, you all have names coming to your head, eh? you go. Uh, so we're going to take up our tithe and offering this morning just as I kind of talk. So it'll just come around in front of you and um, you can put into that. And so, yeah, God, we just want to thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to give to you. Lord, we thank you for our children and we pray this morning that you would grow them as we put them in your hands. And Lord, that as we give to you about tithe and our them to be used for your good and your kingdom. Lord, that many people will come into this place and know you as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Radio. So, there's been one person who's correctly guessed, uh, and if I had a chocolate fish, I'd throw it at Pam this morning, because uh, Pam was having a prayer last week, because God tells secrets. Have you ever noticed that? You try to keep things secret. And someone goes and talks to God, and he goes, I know. <laughs> and so Project AI, Pam messaged me and said, I've been having a pray, and I thought, and you might have thought this too, we used to have this thing called the ABCs of the BBCC, and the very first one stood for all involved. So we're starting a project for three weeks called Project All Involved. So it's going to be a good time. And um, it came out of, like I said, this, this preparation process, what we've been doing, and there's a couple of things that I want to highlight. A lot of this this morning isn't like a sermon, it's simply reflection into some practical things. So, I have been now here officially in the position as lead pastor for two years, but I don't know where that time went, by the way. It popped up on Facebook and I went, whoa. Okay, so, one of the things that they tell you when you start in ministry is for two years, just build up a whole lot of trust. And so, kind of that's what I tried to do is like, don't rock the boat too years when people know you're not crazy and you want the best for them. How many people know at least one of those things is true this morning? Yep. Turn to your neighbor and tell them which one. <laughs> so I, I want to start branching out because I want to look back on a few things that we did. One of the first things we did way back when was that the first conversation cafe with Ross Bambury. How many of you were here for that? Yeah, good. Not many, which is, just goes to prove my point. Um, but when Ross was here, we talked about all these different things. We asked questions like, what's great about Blenheim Baptist Church and why are you here? We asked questions like, uh, if Blenheim Baptist lived to its full potential in the community, what would we be doing? Uh, we asked questions like, what's great about Blenheim? And we looked at all of our different strengths. And one of the things that came out of that, and it came out on the top result, and I don't say this to blow my trumpet, it's just one of the things that came out on top with all those different stickers and votes at the end was, we love Shannon's passion, vision, and energy. And all these people got stickers on it, which was all very... And warm fuzzy for me at the time. I sort of went away going, oh, they like me. 
especially with my health thing like it was at the start of the year and various things like that. Um, but even when I've been at my best, one of the things um, that was clear to me was that I believe we have reached the maximum reach we are going to reach as a church based on my energy alone. Like, if just if I sprint until I pass out, this is as good as it's going to get me in terms of that side of things. But the best part of that is God has put dreams and creativity and life and purpose and meaning on every single one of us. Amen? Amen. So, we have this hive of, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and you're one of them. So that's exciting. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're one of God's cattle. Each day, God added to those people say, those who were being saved. So this is our goal. This is our passion. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit uh, moves in the church. This is what happens when we experience revival. This is what we're believing for. This is why we are here. And it's important that we remember that. Um, and so what I want to highlight though is when you go over to the book of Acts chapter 6, because here's what happens. And here's what's been happening in, in, in our context, I believe. Um, there's, there's been an element of... Um, So this is, I'll read this because I think what happens is when the Spirit of God turns up, things happen. Yeah, like we've just read in Acts chapter two, people come into the church um, either because they're brand new Christians or they've been out of church for a while or they've moved to town and all those sorts of things. And so let, let's, by a show of hands, just this will be an interesting statistic for everybody around. How many people here have been here less than two years? Less than two years. Get them up nice and high so people can have a look at them. How many of you have been here less than five? Okay, interesting. So. And how many of you would say prior to coming here were not affiliated with 
So, what I'm trying to highlight is part of the excitement of the journey we've been on over the last couple of years. People come in, um, and people come in, whether they're moving to town, whether they're experiencing faith for the first time, everybody comes to this place, and what happens is it starts to grow. And so in Acts chapter 2, when God was adding to their number daily, people who were being saved, how many of you know eventually that becomes an administration nightmare? speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against on the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God not running a food program. And so brothers select seven men who are well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So this idea comes from what I want to highlight here is not who does it and who doesn't but this idea that they didn't go hey who cares we're only they went, actually, there is, a, there is good merit in having practical systems, practical support, practical strategies for reaching people with the gospel and caring for people once we have them. You with me? Amen. Good. So, I've been talking about this whole thing of Project AI is about addressing some of those practical things. And I'm kind of excited about them. If you've got a little bit of task orientation, you'll be excited as well. So, I believe there are three things. In fact, let me reflect. So over the next coming months, I want to introduce some of these things. And this is the first step towards that. Um, because there's a lot of things that are going well. Uh, last Sunday, we had a quarterly members meeting. And we only just managed to get 34 members to that meeting. For legitimate reasons, people were away, people like that. We had 102 people at church on Sunday morning. So if you add the people who had to run away, we had 48 members, which means 50% of our congregation on Sunday morning were not in church membership because they're either new or, or for whatever reason. So again, it highlights that we have grown. There is lots of change going on. But so coming into this, I feel like we've come to a ceiling. One of the things I want to bring you into the mix of what's happening here, um, because what we're finding is new people are coming in all the time. And some people are staying. And some people are hanging around for about eight weeks and then moving on. Or hanging around for eight weeks deciding this isn't the place for them. Or hanging around for eight weeks and then just kind of forgetting about it altogether. And so, not that we're, again, we don't, can't be all things to all people, but these are things that we notice. And go, how can we do this better? And so I believe that there's three things that every church needs. And if you've been a ministry leader here on ministry team, you'll know what these three things are. That build a church. They're your presentation, they're your organization, and of course they're your relationships. People will come for anything, but they will stay for relationships. One of the things that Margaret was that the, she'd been reading somewhere that when people come to church, they need to make seven significant connections, significant relationships in their first two months if they're going to hang around and stay part of church family. And so that becomes a challenge to us, going, are we doing that? Are we, are we, doing, are we um, meeting those people? Are we going from, because again, what was his name? Um, Mike Burroughs was here a couple of weeks ago, and he said, this is a very welcoming church. And I believe that. How many people feel like this is a So what I want to say is to take it to the next level where we go from being a welcoming church to then integrating someone into feeling like part of that family. And how does someone move from being in the foyer to being in the kitchen? How does someone move from feeling like they're a guest to like feeling like they're part of this big dysfunctional family in barbecue? And do you want to? That's, which is part of the second question and part of what we're addressing. Would you want to? So, here we go. Next week is the 
morning, I want to show you something that is particularly around this presentation side of things. Because if we're going to be a continual grow church, would we like to continue to grow? Do we believe that God's finished with us yet? Do we believe that everyone that's in this room is everyone God's already called to be part of this church? Good. I'm just checking because, yeah. So that's what we want to do. We believe God is calling us. We believe everyone has a part to play in that. And as we all come together and as we all put our hands in it, that's when you're going to see change. And that's where I believe we're going to see the next explosion. Our nets are kind of overflowing at the moment. But God has the ability to increase our capacity. That's why JB is praying, Lord, increase my capacity. Enlarge my capacity. So, I want to talk about this. I'm just trying to work out when I'm going to How many of you have ever been to a family barbecue? Yeah. You've got a family barbecue. New Zealand or a fry, especially in South Africa or Zimbabwe, or all these people, you know, so good times. So, but the family barbecue, when we come together, there's a sense that everybody usually already has a connection. Everybody already has a common bond. Everybody knows someone. You've got that crazy aunt. together, there's this tendency to just do life. At a barbecue, there is no structure. There is no structure. It just happens. And so, if you come in, and so, you know, who's on the barbecue? Oh, we've already got this person. Look at that. We're winning. And then, crazy Uncle Jack gets on the barbecue after the other two people have knocked each other out with their phones and their spatulas. And food takes And then when Uncle Jack brings you that sausage, he hands it to you, and it's black around the edges. And on the inside. And a little bit on the underside. And he hands it to you, and you take it, and you go, Uncle Jack's never been very good at this. And you eat it. That's what you do. You go, ah, it's family. Let's all get a photo, and let's have some fun. What I want to know is, what might that look like in a different context? Ready, Sam? So, exaggerations aside, one of the things that we learn is that the things that we love about a barbecue, the things that we love about getting together with family in an informal environment, are the things that we despise if they happen at a restaurant. And so what this teaches me is that context is important because barbecues aren't bad things. Everybody loves a barbecue. Everyone loves to go to a barbecue. Everybody loves to go to a restaurant. Yeah? But if you go to a barbecue and everybody behaves like they do at the restaurant, that we oh, please come in and sit down and you know this will happen. Would you go, well, what is this? This is supposed to be relaxing, it's supposed to be a good time. And then on the other side, when you go to if you were to go to a restaurant and that was to happen, I'd probably go again. That's <laughs> But the second question I want to ask 
is which do we need to do? Because actually sometimes we have a tendency to go, you know what, I like it where it's small, where I know everyone, where it's just relaxed, where it's quiet. And I go, yeah, same. But one of the things God's also calling us to do is to grow and to continue to reach people and establish um, roots for them when they come into this place. So which ones will we like to do? Which ones will we need to do? Or alternatively, is there a way to embody the best of both worlds? Where we continue to be family, where we continue to be excited together, where we continue to have relationship, but we also embrace an element of intentionality and structure and integration when we come into the doors. And so we're, I, I don't know, how many of you have ever been to Ramados? Have you ever been to Ramados? If you haven't, I'll recommend it. Take someone there, get someone to take you there. It's a good time. Because that's where we went for, for our dinner. That is sharp, so that when you go in, you go, man, these people know what they are doing. But you don't lose the, gosh, everyone's quite rude and uncivilized here. And so I believe God is calling us to embody something about that. And so that comes back to how we do our presentation, how we do our relationships, and how we do our organization. And so there's different parts that are happening all over. This is this project AI thing is happening in multiple areas, not just here on a Sunday morning, ways that we're talking um, around our databases and Basically, we wanted an opportunity to bring everyone on board with this at the same time. Because here's the other thing that starts to happen as you start to grow. People take weekends off. People go on holidays. People do all that sort of thing. And it's great. And we want you to continue to do that because we believe family is a value in the church. And spending time with family is part of that. But it makes it very, very hard to get everyone on the same page like it used to. It used to be, you know, in a church of 20 people, you send a text around and everyone goes, good, God, awesome. Now, you send an email to 100 people, 50 of them go, I didn't get it. Send texts, I oh, don't have fun anymore. You know, and so trying to bring, so what we wanted to do is go for three weeks, we just want to bring everyone in on the same page and take them on a journey. So when we come out the other side, we go, we know where we're going. And the topic this morning, if you give it a name, is everything is a message. Everything we do is a message. The question is, what message does it send? And so I want to talk a little bit about that um, around our environments, around our behaviors, and then I want to have some discussions. So, any of you have heard of Andy Stanley? Son of Charles Stanley, if you haven't heard of Andy, you've probably heard of Charles on television. He writes a book called Deep and Wide, which is about a church that continues to do the depth and continues to go wide. And I just want to read to you a chapter from it this morning, because I, mean, I could try and adapt this, but you know when someone says something good and you just go, what does that word say? So I'm going to do that. And I want you to... Um, Think about it as we go through and how it applies to us and what, what we can take from it. Several years ago, Sandra and I visited friends who had recently transitioned to the West Coast. Don't you love it when friends move to places you actually want to visit? We arrived on a Thursday. Sean informed me that he had a joint Friday morning men's group and wondered if I would like to tag along. Seeing as my internal clock was probably going to wake me up at 5am anyway, I agreed to go. The study was held at a local church, not the one that they were currently attending. If you're like me, the minute you step onto a church campus, you start evaluating as well as looking for ideas to borrow. While I didn't see much worth borrowing, there was much to evaluate. <laughs> the group met in a medium-sized assembly hall with a wall of windows on one side and a bank of classrooms down the other. The first thing I noticed was the smell. The room smelt like The second thing that caught my attention was the clutter. Stuff was scattered everywhere. Sunday school literature, Bibles, hymnals, umbrellas. There was even a llama grazing on Cheerios in the corner. <laughs> the blinds on the half dozen windows were all pulled to varying heights. There was a bulletin board with half a dozen flyers randomly tacked to it. The wall color was bad. The carpets needed replacing. Did I mention the smell? And no, there wasn't really a llama. This was an adult Sunday school assembly's place, space. Grown-ups met in this room for Bible study. After being in the environment for less than a minute, I knew one thing for certain. The people who meet in this room on Sundays have met here for so long they don't see it anymore. The room is invisible to them. It's not that they enjoy clutter. They just don't see clutter. But a newcomer would notice it immediately. I certainly 
certainly did. The real tragedy from my perspective was that the adult ministry environment taught a series of lessons the Sunday school department wasn't aware of. Lesson number one, we aren't expecting guests. Lesson number two, what we're doing here is not that important. Lesson number three, we expect somebody to clean up after us. Lesson number four, we don't take pride in church. Because Dave used to say, if you think I'm being too harsh, if you're hoping that I won't visit your church anytime soon, if so, this may be the most important section of the book for you to digest and then teach your kids. Before we jump into the content, one more story. For the first three and a half years, North Point met on Sunday nights and rented facilities. Not fun. But it gave me an opportunity to visit other churches on Sunday mornings, and honestly, I was consistently underwhelmed. Our most stressful and disappointing experience we took, it took place at a church touted for its children's ministry. We arrived about 20 minutes before the service was scheduled to begin. Andrew was with us. He had just turned three. We had to ask twice where to find his children's area. Signage was almost non-existent. Someone finally pointed us to a door. We peeked in, and the only person in the room was a man who looked to be in his late 20s. Now, what's wrong with that sort of person? When he saw us, he came to the door with a big smile on his face. A little too big for me. We told him this was our first visit. He assured us that we were at the right place, and he invited Andrew into the room. That's when I noticed the back door standing open that led to what looked like maybe an outdoor playground. But it was hard to tell exactly where it led. Sandra asked if we needed to fill out any paperwork. He looked a bit confused and said we didn't, and that he hoped we would enjoy the service. Then he turned and went over and began talking to Andrew. We just stood there, both thinking the same thing, but neither of us wanted to say it out loud. Ignoring our raging parental instincts, we headed off to a big church. During the second song, Sandra turned to me and asked, do you feel okay about Andrew's situation? I assured her that I did not, <laughs> and that it was all I'd been thinking about since we had left his classroom. She immediately slid out of her she came back and informed me that there was, in fact, another adult in the room, along with a dozen or more children. If you have children, I bet you aren't surprised to know that we never visited the church again. Worse, that's the only thing I remember about our visit. Every time someone mentions the name of that church, I think about that incident. I would be the first to admit that our experience couldn't possibly be the norm, but I still wouldn't go back. That was 17 years ago. Similar to my previous story, the church taught several lessons they did not intend. Lesson number one, we don't expect new families. We have the same kids every week, and they know where we need the most. Lesson number two, if there is an emergency, we don't faint and make a barbecue. <laughs> Lesson number three, your child's security is not our primary concern. Lesson number four, our volunteers don't understand the way parents think. The one thing that these two stories have in common is that neither of my assessments had anything to do with the preaching. If your response to my assessment is, Andy, you're not being fair, you shouldn't judge a church based on one visit. You would be correct. My assessment isn't fair. And that's my point. So, you all sound you've gone very quiet, you've been sobering reading. So I want I want to highlight a couple of things. Number one, our children's ministry is fantastic. I'm not sitting here going, oh, children's ministry is awesome. What I'm trying to highlight is that when we get together and when we've been doing things for a while and it's the family barbecue and it's the same people that come together, we can get into the routine very easily, and I'm so guilty. Because we see it week after week, and I'm not just talking because, again, we're blessed with clean, good, Christian facilities. So it's not just about the physical thing, but it's about everything that we do or don't do because we assume everyone knows. I love one of the ones that Ernest and Margaret give me with this one every time. They go, you didn't introduce yourself this week. And they're right. And half the time I go, it's because everybody knows who I am. But actually the reality is there are people all the time who don't. And so it's those little things that we take for granted. And so the question for me and the challenge for by involving people in that process so that they come with us. Are you with me? Yeah. Understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Very good. So, if everything we do is a message. Now again, this isn't about becoming polished for the sake of becoming polished and false. And let's just all make ourselves fit in nice little boxes because I've been to those churches that have the best systems in the world. And you go in and you go, no one here said hello to me this morning. Or the person that did say hello to me said hello to me because they were paid to say hello to me. Or rostered to say hello how I was. And so we need to get the both and, yeah? And so, how do we look at that? If everything's a message, 
we be seamless without ever thinking about it to our guests? And what messages will we like to be sent with? It's not about becoming polished. It's about becoming authentic in our desire to do the best we can in reaching people for Christ. Jesus did a great job reaching people. We want to do the same with our church. So, my part in this is finished because, as you know, this is the process all the time. So what I want to do, there's a series of questions that Bo's going to put up behind you that I just want to, for the, for the next sort of 10-15 minutes while we get morning tea organised, morning tea will be in this building today because we've stolen all the tables. So, uh, what we want to do, Bo's going to put these questions up just as some discussion starter points because, again, I believe the creativity lies in all of us for this. So, uh, we put them all up individually. Is that what's happening? Can you put them all up together? <coughs> yeah, it might be good because that way they can continue to look at them. Again, there's no system to follow through this. I just want you to, to relax into it. You'll notice that we're running this much more like the barbecue because this is for the church family. So, anyway... What grabbed you about this place the first time you came that caused you to stay? I want you to talk about that one in your group. Second question. <laughs> faster, boy, faster. Come on. Push. I want to speak to the accounts manager. I tell you what, I can read them from here, at least I have. Got the rhythms. What grabbed you about this place the first time you came that caused you to stay? Second question. What's the weirdest experience you've ever had as a first-time guest with a church? Don't name the church. So it might be this one, it might be another one. This isn't about beating up and going, what is it? But what's the weirdest experience you had as a first-time guest with the church? Question number three. What's the difference between a barbecue church and a restaurant church in your mind and in your group? And then I want you to imagine that you're coming to this place for the very first time. Even if you're not, if you are coming to, if this is your very first time here today, <laughs> we'll get some great feedback from you. That'll be awesome. Um, but if this, if not, I want you to imagine. I want you to step back and try and look around at the things that we take for granted that we just assume or don't see. How would you feel coming in as a brand new guest, not knowing anyone in this room? Would you invite someone to church now as it is? Why or why not? And then finally, what message would we like? So, in your groups, you've got diverse generations and, and, and genders and races and all that sort of thing. Let's just have some conversation around this. I'm going to move around because I want to hear some of these. Okay? So, go, go, go.
how we were going. We having some good conversation? Five? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. It's, it's 11.30, but morning tea's up here. And so what, Gloria's just getting the tea and coffees ready now. And so in, in a moment they'll be served and you can get up and you can have yourself. But I'd like to encourage you to continue this conversation, continue to talk to us. You might want to move the table and chat to someone else. But I want to I share again just something that I think captures why we're doing what we're doing. Because you might be sitting here this morning going, why are we doing this? What's going on? I think, I think if I can share this with you, it'll bring you just a little bit more on board. Um, so again, there was this fantastic thing that was going on in the book of Acts called Revival, where the church was exploding and God was adding to their numbers daily. And one of the things that was happening within that were people were coming from all sorts of different cultures and people were coming from different religions and those sorts of things. And, and that gets messy. There's things that go on. And so one of the big questions that came up Gentiles converted and became Christians, what happens for the, uh, all the Jewish customs, including the ones that no one really wants to do when you're in your 30s? Look, it's in the Bible. Look, I don't even know how to talk about it in a, in a clean way. It's in the Bible, right? So, but this is what happens. They get together and they have a meeting, and there's some words here that I think are, are, are great. So they're talking all about this. The old, it says, this is Acts chapter 15, verse 6. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among, from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts and he, and, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He makes no distinction, distinction between us and them, for he cleans their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that we believe that we're all saved by the, by the same grace, by the same undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, afterwards, I will return and restore the fallen house of so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. That, that's what we want, isn't it? So that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. All those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. Verse 19. And so it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, and from eating the meat of strangled animals, for these laws, from for these laws, Moses, for these laws of Moses have been preached in, in Jewish synagogues in every city and every Sabbath for many generations. And so, what I love about this is, in the midst of different cultures and different ways of doing things, and how many know, as a church, we have some different ways of doing things. Yeah, it's good. So, but I love that his response is, "My judgment is that we should not make it difficult." And so, this whole idea of project. So I'm going to finish with that. I'd like to pray. But as we're having morning tea, I'd encourage you to continue these discussions. Write some things down if they're worth writing down. Because again, we'd love to hear those. We'd love to bounce off those. I realize also that this metaphor can only be stretched so far with the restaurant thing. Like I'm aware if you try to take it too far and go, everybody sits at individual tables, that becomes insular and that sort of thing. But part of the application from that is in a church of 50, you kind of know everybody. In a church of 100 and a 150, and as we continue to grow, one of my dreams is 1% of it's 350 people. You're not going to know all of those people. And so again, it becomes less like a family barbecue and more like a restaurant in that sense. How do we bring that all together? Okay? I mean, let me pray. God, we thank you for this first week that we've been able to have. Lord, it's been a little bit kind of different. It's been a little bit sort of unstructured. Lord, we thank you that there's beauty um, in, in the best of what we bring to say, God, we want to do our best for you. And Lord, we pray that you would take our conversation here Lord, that you would take all those different things and show us and reveal to us how you are calling us to best present your gospel message to our community. Lord, so that as people come into this place, they will feel welcome, they will feel acknowledged, they will feel like part of this house, part of our family. And Lord, that they would come to 
same way that we need. And so, Lord, we commit this next two weeks to you as well. Pray that as we continue to dream together, Lord, we will find your truth. And, Lord, that you would continue to grow this flag and add to it daily those who are being saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. So good. All right? Get chatting.